G'day everybody, and for those who have come in late, you're listening to X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. Washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck, and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty, and all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The Phantom, the ghost who walks, the Phantom, enemies beware. The phantom's always there, but you won't find the phantom. He finds Hello, we are the Chronicle Chamber team, and this is X-Band, the Phantom Podcast. Our website is chroniclechamber.com, and you can also contact us via our email, which is chroniclechamber at gmail.com. You can subscribe to us via YouTube, iTunes, or the various Android apps. Now, we were originally going to discuss something else, which we were quite excited about, but uh, over the weekend, we heard the sad news that um, t- uh, Team Phantom and uh, writer, Phantom Rider, Close Ramifi, uh sadly passed away. And um, so we, we had to change our minds. We had to change what we do. And um, we had to pay tribute to a man who has left such a huge impact on our, on, on our lives and also on the hero of the Phantom as well. So um, uh, first of all, you know, I hope uh, all the family and all the friends and family, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you in this great uh, loss. Um, and what follows is just is, is a bit of a chat amongst uh, four of us guys and um, as we pay tribute to a person who has left a huge legacy. So uh, my name is Jermaine and today I am joined by not one, not two, but three guys. How are you all going? Well, Jim, thank you. Not yeah. too bad, Jim. Saddened by the news, as you've said, and uh, it, it's an absolute tragedy that someone so young um I'll, I'll say that at the age of 66 it's it's far too young and uh, uh i know i'm the supposed to be, uh, supposed to be the old man of the group and i'm closest to that age but not all of us can see it from where we are so um yeah it, it's it's too young um only just retired place and and unfortunately not getting the chance to enjoy his retirement for us. so um so sad news indeed yeah that, that's that, that's a real kicker you retire and all of a sudden um this happens. Yeah, it's very unfortunate, and um, but we, we wish uh, all the best for his family at the moment. And um, Mikkel, as uh, you know, thank you for joining us. Uh, we wanted you on to be able to give us, uh, you know, Clay uh, does come from Sweden. Uh, you are our, um, our Sweden resident uh, Chronicle Chamber, I guess you can call it. Um, so, how are you going? And um, you know, thanks for joining us. And um, what, what were your thoughts when you heard the news? Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad because I, I met him a few times and uh, he's a great guy. And to to the Phantom, I mean, the hero we all love, he has been huge, uh, especially for the Team Phantom, but also for for the dailies and Sundays. So, yeah. So you- loss for the community and of course a huge loss with with a person that, that is mm. too young yeah mm. now we do have a interview with Clace which was done by Paul Andreas uh, Johannesson I believe it was maybe about a decade ago um, sadly we never got a follow-up interview with that it's will always be one of my um, my regrets um, now also, in our, episode, uh, in our Expand the Phantom podcast episode 110, so that's almost 
it's about 90, oh, about 80 odd episodes ago, um, we had our top 20 Phantom Influences. Now, Dan, you and I both had him in our top 10. That's how much we rated him. Um, Stephen and Mikkel, you weren't, uh, I believe you gave us your top 20, but I don't believe we talked about it in the podcast. Would you rate him in your top 10 as well for both of you? Well, it, well, you'd have to be. His, his work speaks for itself. He's done yeah. close to 300 stories. Um, his, uh, lack of a better word, his fingerprints are over stories that um, have permeated, what, three and a half decades, is it? Did he start yes. in the 80s or the 90s? Uh, 1984. 1984. So three and a half uh, decades. He, he's got to be in a, in a top 10 um, in regards to um, important... Um, phantom or people important to the, to publishing the phantom or writing the phantom or in the phantom world, um, and he was part of the of the brains trust that helped that. Well, for lack of a better word, well, no, 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 no I'll just change another word. That guided Team Phantom in, in the in those in the nineties, and they really where they broke away from the newspaper to, to do their own thing, and that's still feel, um, being felt today. Mm. Mm. So, what about you, Mikael? Would you have him in your top ten? Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. I fully remember how that episode was, but I think I already had a few team Phantom, and I think I had Ulf and Hans, and then basically wanted to spread it out a bit. But yeah, I mean, Klaus is yeah, yeah, he should be there. Yeah, yeah, I think I had him at six. And looking at the list, I had him today, I had him at six, and Dan had him at eight. Um, so, you know, uh, and, and so, yeah, quite easily um, top ten. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have a little bit of a discussion, kind of go through the history of Clace, um, just to kind of touch base, kind of for those who are not fully aware of who he is or all the influence that he, that he has on our character, this will kind of give you a bit of an idea. And then we're going to have some fun and we're going to discuss who he was, what we liked about his stuff, some stories that we liked. And, um, Mikkel, I would like you to share also um, uh, some, you know, you, you've said that you've met him a couple of times as well. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll take time out uh, in the podcast as well for you to also share. But um, uh, Dan or Stephen, do you just want to um, uh, start us off and give us a little bit of history and then we can kind of go from there? Yeah, sure. I'll, um, I'll I'll have a crack, and I'm sure uh, Mikel will be able to pick me up on any factual details that I'm getting wrong from uh, a lot of research on uh, Phantom Wiki today, and, and really appreciate uh, the guys who put that together and everyone who contributes uh, financially to help keep that running, um, because it's a it's a valuable uh, resource certainly for us, and, and hopefully uh, in a broader sense for the for the Phantom community. But from what we uh, from what I've been able to tell today, um, Clayce uh, was Clayce Plaus, Mikel. Klaus. Klaus. Okay. Uh, so Klaus was born in 1955, as I suggested, um, age 66 when he when he passed. Um, started writing for Team Fantum, and as we've said, in 1984, um, or started having stories published at that stage anyway. Uh, tried to get some um, uh, of his own comics up and going prior to that, from what I can gather, um, including as an artist, but uh, really found his home as, a, as an author with Team Fantum and... and Published uh, uh, 61 stories under the name of Michael Tierras, 
um, through the 1980s. Uh, so he wrote under that pseudonym for nine years uh, before um, the first story where he was credited as Classroom Athi was um, the election in Bengali story, which is interesting. I, I sort of raised my eyebrows when I came across that little tidbit because that's such a pivotal moment in Team Phantom and history. And, and Stephen mentioned the Brains Trust. And so that was that period in 92, 93, 94, where Alf Granberg was really getting uh, Team Phantomen together as a, as a group to say, or the most powerful influences, whether it's uh, the, the artists, the authors, and some of the editorial team coming together sort of go, well, where are we going to take uh, the Phantom from here? And perhaps that was with an eye on the fact that Lee Fork was getting on. That's only, what, five, seven years before Lee Fork died. So whether that was part of the plan for Alf was to say, well, let's set an agenda or let's set our our future with the Phantom planning for Lee Fork's passing. Um, and by, by producing the very first story in that new sort of... Um, in, in that new sort of vein that uh, Team Fantuman was coming up with, Klaus, Klaus sorry, clearly set himself up as a uh, as a pivotal writer and one of the most influential writers as that in that group. And um, and history goes to history would say that he has gone on to um, be the credited author in another 270, 280 issues of Fantuman. Um, we would say he's written nearly 300 stories. A lot of his issues with Fantuman were two-parters. He, he wrote quite a, quite a lot of two, four, even a six-parter towards the end of his career with Nat Turner's Spirit. So um, he wrote, he did love a long story, quite famously wrote um, the 50-part the uh, Heart of Darkness series, uh, which is, has been a bit hit and miss with, uh, with through readers, um, unfortunately, because of the way that that's been presented, but was quite popular, as far as I can tell, Mikkel, um, in Scandinavia and Sweden through the 1990s when it was being produced every week. Um, and, uh, and then went on to become editor of, uh, and I'm, I'm not reading your script at all, sorry, Jim, um, but when, <laughs> you can go in and fill in any blanks I've missed, but uh, then went on and uh, was the, the head writer for a Team Fantoman for a little while, had all sorts of editorial control, and, uh, and I haven't even talked about the bit where he was uh, involved in the dailies and the Sundays. 15 times his stories have been voted as the best story for the year by Sweden, Norway and Finland. Um, if I remember correctly, we've put him, uh, his stories, in re when we've been doing our polls, um, rank quite highly, either top three or top five. Don't think he's ever made top one of any of ours, but maybe he has. I can't, I can't quite remember. Um, but Mikhail might want to talk about his other Swedish comics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before and during, he has written a lot of other things than Fantomen. In Swedish, he has written... Titles like Carrie Drake, Gauntlet of Fate, and comedy strips such as Nittjettan, that's like, uh, in Sweden we have this mandatory military service, and this has been like, Nittjettan has been one of these soldiers for 70 years or something. Lilla Fridolf, that's also a funny thing about this little man and his horrible wife, and they're making fun of each other, basically. Sputnik and uh, comics books uh, for small children like Bamse that's like the strongest bear in the world and it's a huge thing here in Sweden it's one of the biggest comic books and uh, the historical graphical novel series about Gustav Vasa which was the real uh, the first real Swedish king that basically reformed Sweden 
and uh, he was also a comical uh, comics scholar and written several books and articles and reviews of comics and comic creators and was a big part of this series. Uh, yeah, the the comic book uh, people. We have talked about it earlier with Magnus and those. Now, now the name just followed up, uh, slipped out. Sorry. Hmm. So it's fair to say, Mikel, that he's not he's not just a um, a phantom a phantom uh, writer. He's he's done a lot more than that and. Would you say he's probably one of the most productive Swedish comic creators throughout the whole of your history? Yeah, I, I, yeah, that might be true. I mean, he has done a lot of things and a lot of issues. Not only lots of, not just the width, but also like the mm. amount. Yeah, yeah. Now, just a couple of things um, I want to make mention. Just follow on with uh, what Dan talked about with the creation of Labunga and stuff like that. Uh, in episode 149, which was with uh, Leonard Moberg, um, he actually talks about that meeting and about... Um, I, I, that was one of the, the amazing things about that podcast was was listening to him re, uh, retell the story that they was apparently they were just sitting there and they were sitting there and they had just writer's block, no good ideas. And they said they just went out and got absolutely smashed and hammered. And then they came back the next day and it all became flowing. Um, I think, I think you, were you with me on that podcast, Stephen? Yeah, I remember that. I remember that fondly. I couldn't remember who the podcast was, who he'd interviewed. Um, but yeah, I remember, yeah, the, the, the writer's block. And then the next day they, they come up with all these ideas and, well, there you go. Go have a couple of drinks. Well, a few more drinks, and the next day you uh, the ideas will just fly for better or worse, according to some people. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just amazing listening to that story about uh, from uh, Lynette. Um, so yeah, so that that might be uh, worth re-listening to for a lot of fans as well. Um, um, but yeah, no, that was awesome. Thanks, guys, for doing that. So um, I guess one of the other things uh, we kind of made briefly mention about it was that. Uh, Clayce had just announced his retirement at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, he, I, from what I understand, he, he, had, he had committed to a, a bunch more phantom stories. And uh, I believe the latest issue um, has one of his stories in it. Is that correct, Mikel? Yeah, uh, it's a continuation of the Hollywood murders and it's called um, The Vengeance of Nosferatu or something like that in English. And uh, from what I heard, it was the last one he wrote. And uh, I mean, it's, it's an amazing story. I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I, I have hopes for, for continuation in that storyline with uh, the current Phantom's mother. Uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that story, The Hollywood Murders. It was about how... Um... Uh, was it the 20th found his wife. Um, now, we can confirm, um, we have been in communication with some of the people that are a little bit more knowledgeable than us in this area, that there are four more stories that uh, class has written that are yet to be printed. So um, I guess, you know, and I believe one of them, 
is the 22nd Saga story. Maybe three of them are the 22nd Saga. So I, I guess uh, that's something that we've got to, that we've still got four more stories by our class and, and I look forward to hearing your reviews from them, Mikel, and um, I look forward to reading them in our own free comic as well. So guys, um, what would your lasting memory of, uh, of class be? Mikel, as, you know, as someone who has actually met him, do you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, I met him uh, as a part of the Scandinavian chapter of the Lee Falk Memorial Bengalas Explorers Club. Uh, he has been um, like met, met up with us a few times. And I mean, the strongest memory we have is uh, from the book fair. Uh, we had like one hour planned and then we were going to dinner and everyone was so excited and especially Klaus, and he started talking about Phantomen, and he continued and continued, and I think we ran like two hours over time. Everyone was starving, and it was, <laughs> it was an amazing, like, he really, he really, yeah, he really, uh, yeah, was so engaged, and it was an amazing uh, talk about the Phantom, and I think we talked a lot about uh, this uh, election in Bengala, how how they sat down, he and Ulf and the other ones, and they were like, how can we, what, the Phantom has it too easy as his uh, animal companion, his friends with the president, he has his uh, whole Bandar army. To make it more interesting, we should just remove everything. And yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Mm. So would that be your lasting memory? Uh, be like, I guess, the election in Bangala and also the the meeting that you had with him at the at the dinner. Yeah, the the, the meetings mostly, of course. I mean, it yeah. was amazing meeting him. Mm. So, uh, Stephen, as someone like the rest of us who haven't had the uh, opportunity in the um, to be able to meet him, what would your lasting memory of uh, of class be? Um, well, pretty much right. I think I mentioned earlier um, that he's such a prolific story writer and that his um, ideas along with the rest of the Brains Trust um, are still flowing today, even, you know, you know, 30, yeah, 30 years on from that, um, from that meeting where they all got drunk. Um, <laughs> and yeah, just my last memory would be uh, prolific and there is a, a huge, like, whether you like the stories or not, they're fairly well crafted. They're very, very well put together, I, I would say. Um, Dan being an English teacher might, I mean, might disagree. But um, some of the storylines aren't, aren't always my um, thing. Um, and not every story is going to be a hit. But he does have a lot of hits, and which, which is great after, with you know, nearly 300 stories. Yeah, yeah. Dan, what about you, mate? Yeah, it's an interesting one, and I and I probably had a smile to myself when you first asked the question because I'm on the I can't escape it. It's on the record. People can go back and listen to the podcasts where I've been quite critical of Ramirez's stories stories in the past, um, and some of his creations I, I haven't enjoyed at all, and um, I'm firmly on the record in that regard. But um, you know, I'm, I'm my I, and I guess you know, like yourself and like Stephen, we've only known Clay through his 
writing and and so how do you, you can't really know the man in that sense so my memory of him or, or what i'll think of when i when i think back about him yes the volume of stories that he's written it was interesting when i went back today i thought that um and we'll go through our top five stories i think later but um mine tend to be from earlier in his in, in his career in his writing career and um certainly uh, under the pseudonym of michael Tierras is probably some of my favorite stories um, and and I probably uh, didn't like the direction he he took the Phantom story and some of those elements over the last probably fifteen or sixteen years of his uh, of his tenure. Um, but of what I and I and I guess this drifts into his legacy. But but what I, what I really have enjoyed about his stories is his willingness to to push the boundaries of the phantom mythos and and the the universe that fork created um fork was very much we know this was very much about the 21st phantom and the vast majority of his stories were about the 21st phantom klaus was someone who said well what about the 20th phantoms how did he meet his wife what about the 16th phantom what was he doing before he um took the oath so you know going back and exploring those other generations um joe and uh when i first started listening to the podcast it was yourself and joe and i remember joe in particular not liking the historical stories (laughs) and a lot of those uh are classes um and people who liked the historical stories will probably have a really fond memory of him people who didn't so much like those uh less so so um he's when someone as and steve sort of said this as well when someone's written as many stories as he has not all of them are going to be crackers but some of them are and some of the some of the best phantom stories um by anybody were written by klaus so um you've got to acknowledge that i think yeah yeah no definitely um you know to be honest I, i probably agree with everything that you said that you know i you know, I like his earlier work. Uh, even though I thought he was, I, I liked how he pushed the boundaries. I didn't always agree with the boundaries, like with the um, the stories about the Phantom Gladiator and the Phantom Crusader and the, um, you know, I think they call it the, the Phantom Myth or, or, or something like that. You know, I did not like those stories at all. Um, and I'm, I'm on the record for saying that I think we should just scrap them all. But he added he added to it. He he makes you think. Go well, maybe the Phantom is longer is more than 400 years. Could he be more than 400 years? You know, we know the ring is from you know uh, the first century. So what happened to the ring before? Bef- you know, the 1500 years in between that. You know, could you know could have. Uh, could have been worn by another vigilante or, you know, so, you know, there's a lot of extra questions. And um, I love the fact that he was able to um, add to, to add to the Phantom. And I think he's, he's definitely left his mark on the Phantom. I think uh, better than worse. Um, you know, we might not always like the Sandal Singh cue, our favourite image. Um, but you know, he, um, you know, but with he's 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 definitely and he's also made the 21st Phantom's life a lot harder than probably any other, um, uh, any other any other writer as well. And that might be maybe my lasting memory of of Clase. If I had to put, choose one, 
it'll be making the 21st Phantom's life harder. Um, well, and every rider should do that because then we get to see how he fights out of it. Yeah, and it's not just the Sandal Singh or even the election of Ben Gallo. Um, there was also, he was involved with the Diana's Crisis storyline. I'm not sure. Uh, do you guys remember that storyline? What was the what was the name of it? Diana's Crisis. Yeah, it was when Diana actually left the Phantom and she disappeared. She took the twins and just disappeared. Uh, do you remember that storyline, Mikel? I I do, and uh, it's not one of my favorites. Huh? No, <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't one of my favorites either. But again, he made the twenty first Phantom's life difficult. Yeah, uh, that's true. And you know, and. I think it was Diana was poorly written in that storyline. Um, but I, I thought the idea of, you know, so basically for those who haven't read it, I can't even remember what uh, through issues it is. Uh, while I'm talking, could someone quickly Google that or Phantom Wiki that? Um, so what was it called? Diana's, Diana's crisis. Um, so basically what had happened is Diana had a, had a, a moment when she was like, do I really want my children to be brought up in this type of world where, you know, they're going to be trained, then they're going to uh, basically are waiting for my husband to die. And then one of my, one of my two children are then going to take the legacy and, and there's going to be the circle. And so she was questioning herself. And I guess we all have those moments when we question our life decisions and, you know, we have those moments when we see our children, you know, could I do better? Could I bring them up in a better world? Could I make better decisions? And so there was a lot of self-doubt in Diana. Um, and it was, it was, I think one of the reasons why it was so poorly accepted was because Di I didn't really like the way Diana was uh, written, and but it also was spread over like about, uh, like 30 issues but there was like four or five parts and they were spread yeah. quite quite far away and so he actually didn't write all of them no so I, was, I was just yeah. going to say also yeah do you, want, do you want to go through the five parts Steve and that might um, be the reason why it wasn't written so well either <laughs> <laughs> well what I've got here I've got um, uh, part one The Mysterious Wreck by Magnus Setter I'm going to take a guess yep um, then uh, Klaus does part two, Diana Disappears. Part three is The Search for Diana, which is a Tony DePaul-written uh, story. He also does parts four and five as, with Diana's Dilemma and Night of the Phantoms. Um, what three numbers? Was 14-14. Yeah, part two is 14-15. Part yeah, 14, three. 14-25. Yep. 14-28. Uh, and part five is 1441. So from about 2005, 2006. There you go. So if you haven't read those, dig them out and um, you can uh, kind of see what we're kind of talking about there as well. So thanks for digging those out, guys. So I guess kind of following on, and some of us kind of did talk about it, is for me, if I had to put down his legacy, it would be adding to the Phantom, but also making the 21st Phantom's life more difficult. Do you guys see anything like, what would you say that his legacy will be? Is there anything else you can add to that or um, agree or disagree with? 
Well, I think his um, I think his legacy has to be the the expansion of the Phantom timeline, and um, he or, or, or the the details about the previous generations. So we've we've talked and joked sometimes um, on air and off air about uh, putting together a Phantom family family tree. Um, and who married who, and um, and we know that Lee Fork um, had various phantoms marrying um, a number of different people, and that sort of thing. He clearly didn't keep track of a family tree himself. Um, from what I can understand, Klaus is someone who did try to put that family tree together and then fill in some blanks. And and I suppose um, if you if anyone ever had the time and the and the energy to to completely map. The, the Phantoms family tree from um, Christopher Standish back in 1535 or, or whichever date you choose, um, then a lot of those those names would have been filled by Klaus Romanthi. So then to for for that that has, to me that has to be his legacy because then that gives a, a much firmer skeleton or a much more fleshed out skeleton to continue the the metaphor um, for other writers to to work with. Mm, mm. Yeah, uh, Mikhail. Yeah, but I also think, like the legacy is, we're going, we're getting there with the favorite stories later. But I mean, there's a lot of storylines that are so massive that they are like must reads and changed. Even though maybe things changed back, a lot of things has been written. Yeah, it's hard. To his, explain. his, and Dan touched upon it as well. His epic stories were epic. Yeah, um, and I'm and I'm looking through the list of all of our top fives, and there's some epic stories in there. Uh, you know, there's Black Love, there's the Triads, there's the Labunga series. Um, you know, the one thing that we haven't even talked about so far, which is the Twenty Second Phantom Saga. You know, we've all made mention. We've all we all either like it, love it, or like aspects of it. Um, so, you know, we've all enjoyed it and stuff like that as well. Um, Death in the East End was another one and stuff like that. You know, there's, you're right, there's a lot of epic stories, multi-part stories that... Um, year One, that's another one that I know is quite uh, quite uh, close to your heart, Mikel, especially with the game produced about it Indeed. as well. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, the, his epic... His, uh, if he was if he was a movie producer, he would be. Um, was it Ridley Scott who did the big um, epic movies like The Gladiator and you know yeah. and stuff like that? That would be that's kind of like where where I see him is that big epic type of person who produced the big blockbusters. Yeah, and and for what I've said about filling in the family tree, perhaps there is a bit of that with the Twenty Second Phantom as well, and and I think the way I. I phrased it in the obituary that I sort of started to try and sit down and pen today was um, about he's he's taken on ground that no one else dared to do, not even Lee Fork was uh, decided to, right, let's see how we can move the 21st into the 22nd Phantom and get that generational change happening. So yeah. he certainly had the courage to do that. He's laid out a ground, you know, a ground sheet or a, mapped out how that could be done. And it will be interesting to see how, if there's unpublished stories in that saga as well, where he leaves off on that, and where another author may well pick it up, and that and that could be his greatest legacy. If, if certainly if the that path continues, and we end up with just all twenty second fandom stories coming out of Team Phantom, and in particular, um, there's no doubt that will be his biggest legacy. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, uh, you use the word courage. Uh, that's a very good word because Lee Falk didn't have enough courage to ride out the 21st Phantom. Uh, a few people have kind of dabbled and, and, and thought about it, but um, in just looking at some of the stories, uh, the, there's the, the Last Phantom, which is a two-part story where um, the Phantom kind of gives up the, the concept, throws his ring into the into the river and says, that's it, I'm not going to do it anymore. There's the Phantom versus the Sing, which is the 2050 story. Um, and now there's the 22nd Phantom story. He's definitely, yeah, that's a very good point, Dan. He's had, he's had the courage to do what no one else would do. Um, hmm. Which, which I think sometimes puts people off because that, that's not what they would have done. But um, they didn't, and he did. So um, I think it, it, you sort of alluded to it earlier. He pushes the boundaries and certainly, you know, killing off the 21st and bringing in the 22nd, that's a boundary that, you know, well, is fairly firm for a lot of people. So <laughs> when it gets poked at. He, he hasn't killed off the 21st, not yet. No, 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 but he's, he's pushing that boundary. He's pushing that boundary. So. Yeah, yeah. The 21st Phantom has just disappeared, <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe the, uh, you know, maybe like the editor, Mikel, trying to go, whoa, trying to pull the reins in a little bit, saying, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, so yeah, let's not kill him off too much. <laughs> Harold Holt has never actually officially died. That might not mean much he's to still the Prime Minister, Minister now, isn't he? That's right. Our international audience, Harold Holt, used to be Prime Minister of Australia, disappeared when he went for a swim one day and never came back. We don't know that he's dead, but it's, you know, 60 years ago, so probably. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that when, when I was living in Melbourne, I was driving along and I looked out the window and just had to laugh. There was a Harold Holt swimming pool. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Only in Australia. <laughs> uh, so, Stephen, anything you want to add to his legacy? No, nah, no, nah, I think we've covered it all. Yeah. All right, well, while we got Stephen, uh, do you want to, while you, you're there, do you want to tell us, a, uh, now, this is going to be a hard choice. There's 300-odd stories to choose, including stories, now, I believe, like what we said before, there's four stories that uh, have yet to be written, published in Phantom End, and there's, uh, as we found out today, Dan, we were talking about it, is there's about 15 or 20 more that we haven't even had published in the fruit. Uh, comic yet either as well and I believe uh, Grange Wallace actually did a cover to one of the stories which I believe was the man with the silver nose silver nose and I believe that is that right Mikel that's a, a story that's created by Clace yeah yeah and that was during this uh, 2020 right with all the almost all reprints that was uh, that's a multi-part story that took up um, most of the non-reprints uh, issues. So maybe that might be uh, Fru's way of doing a nice little uh, tribute for him as well. But as progressing uh, or going sidetracked, which we usually do on this podcast, Stephen, you want to tell us a couple of your um, favourite stories um, uh, that, that Clase has written? Um, yeah, so I had a bit of a, a look through Phantom Wiki because... Um, well, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of who wrote what, but going through the, the titles, so many spring to mind, you know, there's a memory of, of them. Um, and seeing everybody else's list, oh, yeah, I remember that one, I remember that one too. Um, but thinking about favourite stories, it's tricky, but I've, I've got to put the triads at number one. When I came back to reading the fan of again after a few years off um, and I went back 
home and I got my old Phantoms, that was the first story that I reread um, when I when I had access back to my old '90s Phantoms. Um, and so I'm I'm putting that as my num- number one. Um, the next one, I think it was written a while ago, but I only just remember reading it recently, uh, was The Pugilist, the, the one where Colonel Weeks is a young fella, he's a boxer. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you see, see those cogs churning there. Because <laughs> I'm, um, I'm looking at it and I'm going, what is that story? <laughs> I even yeah. started looking for it. Well, so well, the way I did this is when I read through the na- read through the names, what sprung out? What didn't I have to go and reread the the synopsis or go pull out a comic? What were the stories that I could remember? Um, and so these are the the top. I think I've got five here. Um, and some some of them have um, been published recently, um, rather than all the way all the way back. Um, but this next one, the Phantom Man or Myth, this one springs out for me for two reasons. One, um, I've got a page of original artwork of it, so which is <laughs> Saviuk. It was the first page I ever owned, which is great. Um, and it, there was a it, the reason why I got that page was it made me laugh. There was a bit of a chuckle there um, with with Devil. So and so that's what I remember about that. I just remember enjoying it. It gave me a little chuckle in parts and, and that sort of thing. Um, a recent one, and this story exceeded my expectations when. This came out um, in through a couple of years ago. I thought, what the heck is this? The Butterfly Man? Like, what the? That doesn't sound like a, a great character or a great storyline or something. Um, but then I read it and I thought, that was bloody good. I want to read more about the Butterfly Man. Mm. I, I thought that that story really, um, really opened itself or lent itself to having a backstory about this Butterfly Man who, um, yeah, this leading crime figure who, as far as I'm aware of, is the first time the Phantom, well, the first time we've read about it in a Phantom comic, but could he have been, um, uh, what's the word, puppet master? Could he be behind, pulling the strings on a few things in the background, you know, but the Phantom just didn't know who the bad guy was, and now um, he finally confronts him. Um, I think it was that had so much that could happen with it. There was um, so much potential with it. And the story was great. I couldn't believe how that I really enjoyed that story. I remember that you and I, I think we both put it in our top um, in the 2018 best of. Yeah, it was definitely not best of for whatever year it was in. So 2018, um, for those reasons, it was, it surprised the heck out of me. It was, yeah. uh, I'm going to go back and reread it and hopefully I'll have the same. Um, reaction um the election saga from the 90s um being that's when the when i was starting to you know i had the paper around and so at the end of the week collect my pay and go straight to the comics and buy the comics so um was happening around about the same time that i was first buying the comics um and of course it caused confusion a little bit of confusion because you know you got Lawaga and all of a sudden he's not and then once you got your head around that um you could enjoy it for what it was um, which was a different take on the status quo. Yeah. Um, not to everyone's liking, but it, will, it provided some great stories. Um, so whether you like it, that, it's, that it, they've changed, and you, know, you can talk about Phantom Law in another podcast, um, 
but they provided some some interesting stories where the where you said the, the phantom um he's he's got it hard he's paying to a corner how do we get him out um and i'd probably my, my last one my number five for the sheer size of it and the and the sheer attitude to get it done you know 300 page story um heart of darkness now i'm not putting it in officially because i need to reread it in like in one hit so if if Fru can put this in into a graphic novel or you know trade paperback or whatever, uh, so we can read it in one hit rather than you know a couple of pages there and a couple of months later you, you pick up on it again, just as so we got that flow and that continuous flow, and then I'm sure um, I'd, I'd have Heart of Darkness up there with a bullet. Mm, some great stories there, uh, Mikel. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm nodding. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Stephen, but yeah, uh, and uh, let's start with the with the election and the gala. I mean, I I really love it when you were talking about earlier about the courage, and this is like the courage to change the the whole. It doesn't end with oh they're back in Eden and having a vacation, but but it's the, the story after story. It gets worse and worse, and then it moves around I, I really enjoyed reading that because it becomes this huge story where the whole world changes mm. and i i get the similar feeling with the year one but then it's this you look back at the first year and i, I as you know i i really enjoyed that i based it on the game and the stuff uh then I really enjoyed the retelling of the first Phantom, how how uh, how everything works out there. But that's more of a fleshing out of the default, but they do it really well and makes everything make sense in in a good way. Uh, but then I like I like it when they dabble with the future and like the twenty second Phantom. I said it many times in my reviews. I, I so enjoy reading those stories and at least for us in Sweden they when they first came out they said this is not a what if story this is this is basically some years in the future when we don't know but this is canon at least for us mm. and it's amazing uh, again courage and then it's the 2050 and there they actually said it uh, it is a what if story this is what might happen in 2050 but still, he wrote it in 2000, and he wrote about the guy Singh who has been this baddie for many years, and you would guess that he would be the baddie for the rest of the Team Phantom in history. But in 2015, they actually wrote in, so 2050 works. They wrote him into a coma and put him in stasis so he can wake up in 2050, and I'm mm. like remembering that story 15 years ago and oh we should now when we have sandal sing we should put him in cryo so it makes sense i, that's, I think that's, that's sing, correct doga sing yeah. yeah yeah i think that's that's amazing forethought or having the mind to remember the stories yeah mm, mm. do you guys do you guys uh dan and steven do you guys remember the 2050 Story? 
Yeah. I haven't read it for a long time now, um, so I've got a vague recollection of it, but uh, it was one of the ones that I dipped into and read the synopsis for today on Phantom Wiki um, as part of part of preparation for this. And, yeah, certainly remember that and remember it being a bit of a, um, yeah, what if, but, uh, but I, I, you're absolutely right, Mikel, to, for them to be then 15 years later writing the, the cryogenic scene to allow for that 2050 story, I think that speaks to how much they rated it and, and how popular it was and how prepared people are for those what-if stories to be actually come into the canon of, of where it's going. Mm. I, it yeah. kind of reminds me of, I'm not sure for those who remember our last chat with Andrew Constant when he talked about his own uh, Android Phantom. He made a really good point about you know, it, it's a what if story, but if it become if fans like it so much, it can almost then become canon if fans like it so much. And I, I reckon the twenty fifty one is. I think that's that's the twenty fifty uh, thing. Um, it's a perfect example of it. For those who want to dig that up, it's in through issue one two seven six, and in the Swedish issue and the Norway issue number twenty one of the year two thousand. So for those who might want to dig that out. And is that the one where, where the Phantom's got the glasses? Or the, yeah. the, Goggle. the, yeah. the goggles? Yeah. yeah. I remember he, the cryo suit as well. Yeah, and he makes a joke. He's in this spacious floating craft type of thing. And he makes a joke, goes, oh, back uh, back 50 years ago, you would have to sit on a plane crammed up like like uh, sardines in a tin or something like that. How did those barbarians ever manage it or, or something <laughs> like along those lines? And it was just, it was, I, I remember the, the, the glasses and that kind of little throwaway comment as well. It was, um, yeah, it was, it was great. Um, Dan, you got a couple of stories for us that we haven't mentioned yet. Yeah, I do. And I probably, as I said, I've, I, when I read through, I did similar to Stephen, just went through the list and, and, uh, jumped at stories that the titles that I remembered and and maybe that's got something to do with the covers but uh, the reason I would remember the covers is because I picked up the the issues a number of times um, and so for me black love was um, was uh, a, a pirate story that I really enjoyed I was delighted to see through reproduce that um, as part of their supernova special not long ago so that was um, originally published in uh, 1985. By um, uh, Fountuman in, in number four, 1985. Um, I would have first read it in through issue 18, 898, sorry, um, and then again recently the Supernova in issue 1841. Um, but that that two parter was a fun one. I have I haven't put these in um, you know order like Stephen did, but just stories that sort of jumped out at me. Um, Deadly Infection is one that I um a story that just for whatever reason has really stuck with me um i i don't know why it appealed to me in the moment at the time but i've read that story i don't know 20 or 30 times i really enjoy that that idea of um the rhodian terrorists have snuck smallpox in and they're trying to smuggle it and um a secret operative miss mist who's this new character that gets um introduced um who's this um you know, short blonde haired, um, as I say, secret agent who's um, who, who's trying to get the smallpox back to Rodia and the Phantom's involved. And um, so that's another another 1980s story, number 16, 1986 in, uh, in Sweden, number 890 in Australia. Um, Death in the East End, that three-part series, I, I enjoyed uh, the Phantom going to London. And I think this is probably one of the historical stories of, of classes that I did enjoy. 
Um, so that, again, you know, early in the piece, uh, number 16, 1987, um, and issue 951 for Fru. Uh, the Duel on Destiny Top was one that I really enjoyed. Um, another story from a, a, the mid-90s, so number 13, 1995 in, uh, in Sweden and issue number 1118 in Australia. Duel on Destiny Top, I think. I remember enjoying that because it um, really explored another that, that idea of, the, you know, we talk about a jungle character, um, the... The, the phantom fighting off witch doctors and it was about, you know, destiny. It was about, you know, the, the prophecies being fulfilled. And um, I, I, I enjoy the jungle stories the most. Um, I guess I'm a, I am I'm the traditionalist on the podcast, I suppose, and I enjoy Lee Falk's jungle stories. I enjoyed uh, Klaus's jungle story in this instance. And Warabu's Secret was another one from the, the late 90s, issue 8, 1998, um, in Fantulman and number 1202 in Fru. Uh, interestingly, it also became a uh, one of those crossover stories that was used uh, as that in, that bridging period between Lee Fork and Tony DePaul, really. Um, so Warabu's Secret was also used as a Sunday. Um, and I just enjoyed that, uh, that idea of exploring a, a side character and finding out a little bit more about um, the leader of the Jungle Patrol in that instance. I think that was Waradoos. In the Sunday, it was Waradoos, but in the in the um, original Waraboos. So. Oh no, it's a different character. Waradoos was the um, uh, was a, a white a guy that um, got sick in the jungle and then um, became the kind of like someone else. But uh, okay, well, the one that I remember um, is the is the original, I guess, the one that was produced um, for Team Fantaman in the first place, and then put, published by Fru. Yeah, I, I actually almost put that in my list as well because it was um, like we, we were talking about. It's a perfect example of of the Phantom or of, of class uh, mm. adding to these characters and stuff like that. Mm. Where, you know what you, you find out a little bit about. You know he's got a son. He he's got an ex girlfriend. Um, you know like, and then also in Stephen's list he talked about it with the Pugilist, which was uh, Colonel Weeks as well. It's another example of learning about these characters that we, you know that that Lee Fork never explored. You know Colonel Wurbury just turned up out of the blue. Uh, yeah. You know, Colonel Weeks was just always there, but you know, and the same as in the triads where he added to their legacy. Um, so yeah, no, it's, it's they're great, they're great options, and definitely East End. That's an amazing storyline. I've read mm. that so many. So I have to go back and reread that one because it's, oh. it's not ring, it's not ringing a bell for me. But you're all talking about, it, so I better go and yeah. reread that one. Do yourself a favor, Stephen. Uh, reread it was three issues. Mm-hmm. Um, it what was, numbers we're looking at? Uh, 1951, 52, and 53, I think. About then, yeah. And then, like, it was it? I can't remember which phantom it was, but like, he gets he gets kidnapped and by this mysterious Madame X. And, yeah, I was reading, having a look at the synopsis on Phantom Wiki yeah. when you guys were talking. Yeah, no, nah, so it's, it's a great story. It's a great story, and um, the the, the legacies, these big big stories, are just mm. that's just a really good one where. I, and that was back when big multi-part stories wasn't really the norm for Team Phantom Man either. Um, I'd also give a shout out to um, one of the the Sunday stories, uh, Warmongers. Um, 
Sunday 155. Now, that might be because I really enjoyed Graham Nolan's art in that particular story. Um, I thought that that was one of his um, uh, personal, I thought that was one of his better stories on the strip. But um, uh, so I'm not sure if I'm influenced by Nolan's art or Ramethi's story there, but uh, I, I do have fond memories of that story as well. Yeah. No, there's some great choices, guys. Well, now. So was... can you can you get yours down to a top five, Jermaine? <laughs> I think we'll be lucky if he gets it down to a top 12. Yeah. So for those of you, here's pulling back the curtain. There was a, a message going out. Can you name your top four or five stories for uh, for the podcast? And I thought, oh, yep, no worries. I have a look at the run sheet. 17 on Jermaine's list. <laughs> I, I actually stopped as well. Um, <laughs> Come on, you've got to be a bit more, uh, a bit more well, selective. A bit more selective. Oh, <laughs> in, in defense, like that's why it's a election saga, and that just incorporated a lot of stories. <laughs> yeah. In my defence, I knew these guys were going to list half of my ones, so I thought, well, I'll, <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll just go, and then I'll, think, I'll, I'll talk about the ones that, that haven't been mentioned. Um, so a couple of them, the Rose of Cario, which um, Cairo, uh, which I really enjoyed that story. Um, it was it was a fun story. Um, the Count of Bengala was another one. Um, so I agree with everyone else what everyone else has said, but other stories that I've enjoyed that haven't been mentioned. Um, the Count of Bengala was a story. Um, it reminds me of oh, I can't remember. There was. When I was younger, I read this. I read this story where there was a, a a guy who changed his he changed his appearance, but it was probably based. The Count of Bengala was based on this story, but I really enjoyed that story, and I read that first, and then I reread the the, the Phantom one, and I was like, "Oh, this is the same story." And it um it you know it's about a past Phantom. It's about the, a person not quite being the Phantom. Uh, like, you know, it's the Phantom Sun and it's just, um, yeah, it was a really fun story that I really, really enjoyed. Now, a couple of others uh, we've talked about where he's pushed the boundaries, the Prodigal Sun. Now, I'm not sure if you guys remember the Prodigal Sun. I read the synopsis, I think, when I saw it there. Yeah. I was trying to remember now, what it was about. Now, we all know the there's the, um, the Prodigal Sun is a... a you know, it comes from a Bible story where you've got a son who turns away from his father and and lives a different life and then comes back. So this is kind of like a um, a phantom version of that biblical story um, where you've got a, a... And I liked how they didn't disclose who the forefather was. So it's an undisclosed forefather of the phantom, goes to study, falls in with the bad crowd, uh, falls for a princess of the Sing Pirates and then actually becomes a Sing Pirate as well. Uh, and then he sees his dad get murdered and it changes his life and then he um, uh, becomes the Phantom, but he still wears the, uh, what do you call it, the, um, the, the tattoo on his, on his inner thigh and stuff like that. So it was just, it was, um, I'll, I'll just pick out where the numbers came from. It was uh, 1292 for free, which was in uh, uh, 2001. And then uh, in uh, Sweden and Norway, it was number nine in 2001. It just, it, it, it's a story that 
I guess where he's pushed the envelope again, he's, um, uh, you know, it's kind of something you would never expect to be able to read. But it just, it blew my mind. It was like, whoa. Um, do you guys remember that story? I'm looking at my um, at my list. Apparently I've got two copies of it, so I should go back and read it. <laughs> I certainly don't remember it as clearly as you do, Jim. Yeah, what about you, Mikael? I mean, I remember reading it 20 years ago, and I remember having, uh, I mean, it, it really made a mark, but now I don't remember if it was because I really enjoyed it or if I was uh, horrified, uh, but, but I really remember the, 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 the story. Yeah. yeah. And I also remember like that someone that in a few issues later, someone in the sent in a mail to the editor that was in like the, the club pages where they actually like did their research to find out which phantom it could be. Yeah, yeah. On on Fan and Wiki, they've got it that um, to an unofficial theory published in number nineteen two thousand and one, the prodigal son is the eighth Phantom. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I remember reading that as well and thinking. I mean that that's why I get into the Phantom because I really enjoyed the lore and that you could do this kind of research. Yeah, and it and it showed the the humanity. Of the Phantom. That's one of the things that that's important to me about the Phantom is that not, you know, and we see it even in today's where it's like, oh yeah, my dad did this, but I don't want to follow my dad. I want to do my own path. And you know, we're talking about humans here with all their frailties, with their, with their shortcomings. And you know, maybe the seventh Phantom wasn't the best dad, and he this was his way of rebelling. And you know, and. and you know, we see it even, even Lee Falk did it with the third Phantom, where he didn't want to be the Phantom, he wanted to be an actor. And, you know, it, it, show, it showed a, a human element to my, to my hero, the Phantom, and, and I like that. Um, the other story that is a what if um, is the Inner Strange Land, uh, which is if, you know, so it was kind of like, well, in this era, in this era in the 1500s, there was a lot of ships sailing around the world. What if the Phantom was shipwrecked on the shores of Japan instead of Africa? And the story was pretty average—not not average. It was a good story, but it was again close pushing the boundaries, and um, and it it kind of stands out because uh, it just it is so different. Um, and my last story I want to mention, I'm not sure if this is five or ten, um, <laughs> is Patrolman Aurora. Um, now, I, a bit like Steve, I got some art from one of this, from this story. But it was about, um, you know, the, uh, the which, which phantom was it that married the Hatner witch, Heloise? Um, do you guys remember that one? Uh, oh, no, you're talking about. I don't know which Phantom was. <laughs> I mean, the like 15, 16, 17 Phantom. Yeah. No, sorry, it wasn't that one. It was uh, <laughs> Nat Natalie of Navarra. So, oh, that's the sixth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the sixth. So, there was Natalie's 
cousin or something fell in love with the Phantom and she wanted to get closer to the Phantom. So she disguised herself as a bloke and joined the jungle, uh, joined the jungle patrol. Um, and it was, it was, again, it was, it was just a really, um, it was something different, you know, women in the jungle patrol hasn't always been accepted as it is now. Uh, you know, it was, it was kind of like that, that, um, that, that forbidden love. And I enjoyed, you know, the six phantom. He's probably one of my favorites with, you know, Redbeard and Crusher and stuff like that. Uh, the art was by um, Sal Valudo, which I really, I kind of fell in love with his artwork in this story. Um, so it's just, again, it's just one of those stories that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah, I reread that uh, quite recently, and it's it's a really good story about, and she's so in love with him, uh, with, with the Phantom, and but she's pretending to be a man, to be in the Jungle Patrol. So he's like, who are you when she when the reveal is there it's like this i don't even know who you are uh, mean mm. typical yeah, fandom that's... style where it's just like he's just so used to women falling in love with him that he just doesn't yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah so i reckon with all those stories that we've mentioned there's probably a good well let's just say we all stuck to five there's four of us it's a good 20 20 <laughs> stories that um uh, that, that that we mentioned, and then of course we've done the triads and the um, uh, what do you call it, the election story, which is about twenty stories in itself. So um, yeah, so hopefully, um, hopefully those who have listened to it, if you are on YouTube, I'll try and flash up as many covers and insert pictures and stuff like that as possible to kind of um, uh, remind you of some of these stories. So if you've got the issues, you can go back and. Read them. You put in the info them. section on the on the video the the issues for like through yep. and um yep. just might make things easier for people. Yeah, we'll do, Stephen, and you've just vol- volunteered yourself to do that list as well. So thanks, <laughs> mate. <laughs> yeah, um, that's all right. I could probably do it tomorrow, actually. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> so uh, we, we've kind of talked about um uh you know we. Actually, We've talked about some characters that um, that he has created, and um, you know we, we've talked about we've talked about a whole heap of them in there. So we, um, I guess, guys, if you've just got one or two characters that he's kind of created that's stood the the, the test of time, that's stood out to use, that you've got a good memory about, if you can just quickly fire off some of those. I'll, I'll, I'll jump in. Um, the one that I've nominated is Miss Mist. I've talked about her uh, already. Um, I did like the way that that character developed to become, um, you know, not just this secret operative from Rhodia, but then to work in uh, Luaga's doctor's office and that sort of thing. And, and, and we had that continuation of her character. Um, I really liked how she fit into the Phantom's universe without necessarily needing to break the Phantom's universe. Because as I've said, um, I, I, I like the boundaries where they are. And, and for me, Klaus pushed them a little bit too much at times, but Miss Mist was a, that perfect character who, who fit in the Phantom's universe without, um, you know, disrupting the areas that I, that I really enjoyed. So, Yeah. Now, from memory, um, 
she was actually the reason why you actually got your letter published in a free letter as well. Yeah, you've done well there. Yeah, that might have something. That may well have something to do with the because I was able to correct Jim Shepard one time when he said in a message from the publisher, "This is the first appearance of that character." And I said, "No, hang on, wasn't she in?" And it might have even been in Deadly Infection. Um, was it was. Yeah, <laughs> it been. Um, and so I got a free copy of Phantom Goes to War. Uh, so yeah, perhaps there's that sentimental attachment to the character as well. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 Miss Miss is a great character. Um, she's probably underutilized in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, and in the tradition of all great Phantom secondary characters. Yeah, yeah. But I will <laughs> Phantom say, then gone. Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't like the way that uh, filming uh, used Miss Mist. Um, in a couple of his stories, um, I preferred her as the as the um, as the agent and not the love struck. Yeah, teenager. Yeah, agree with that. Yeah, but um, yeah, no, great choice, uh, Stephen. What about you, buddy? Um, well, I mentioned him earlier, the Butterfly Man. I want to see something more about the Butterfly Man. I thought he was an interesting character. Um, you know, one issue, and and that's all we've got. I want to see more of this fella. Yeah, no, I have to agree with you there. That was a great story. I'm going to have to go back and read it as well. Um, what about you, Mikkel? Yeah, I mean, Miss Mist is a great character. I mean, I, I really enjoy uh, strong female characters, as you might know. With like, I want Diana not to be the damsel in distress. I want her to kick some ass. Miss Mist is a great character with, with her secret agent giving uh, the Phantom a run for his money. But uh, to name someone new, I would say Sandal Singh. I mean, I thought it was pretty cool in the beginning, like how they changed the Singh pirates to be a corporation because I feel like a modern modern pirates could be the big corporation that just does bad thing and then buys the election, basically, and becomes that president. That was good. I, I like that so, too. And I think that's... That's that's a modern uh, villain, and then, like, I think it would be better if she wasn't in love with the Phantom. But I mean, there's a, there's a lot of depth there, and I mean, it's strong strong female characters, and we sh- we could have more of those in this mm. uh, comic books. I think now, Dan and Mikkel, does Miss Miss remind you of your uh, wives? Is is because that why he's blonde? Like, yeah, blonde, strong characters. You know, is there is there something there or <laughs> in there, is she being drawn by Phil Mang or not? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not gonna say where that answer would take my answer. <laughs> I don't think she's watching, so I can say yes. <laughs> what, what, what about you, Jim? Uh, just to shift, to shift the subject a little bit. What about what, um, what would your favorite Klaus character be? <laughs> so now I, I, I like Sandal Singh. I, you know, I'm not as keen on the on the illegitimate son. Um, no one is. Yeah, I, I can live with it if it comes out that it's not his. Uh, but that's that's we've had a discussion. Uh, I enjoyed what he did with Labunga, but 
something that I also really enjoyed was I enjoyed the backstory that he added to Die Guy Sing. Now, I'm not sure if you remember, it was about 2010, I would say, at a guess, where there was that little ongoing saga about Doagai, the rise to power. And uh, I'm not sure if you guys remember that, but Doagai Singh was always, he was always your cardboard cutout bad guy. You know, your token bad guy. He was, you know, everyone loved to hate him. He was the, the you know, he was that type of guy. But in this story, he, he, you almost liked Diagai reading this story, you know, even though you know he was a scumbag, he, you know, he was your typical really, really bad guy, but, you know, you, you started to develop not, not a soft, maybe a soft spot or for him because of the story that Clace uh, wrote, the, the, the couple of stories that he wrote about. It was really good writing. Um, and again, which we've talked about numerous times, he developed characters that are more than just your secondary characters that kind of get put into one story and then forgotten about, except, of course, Stephen's Butterfly Man. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so that's, that was something that I really, really enjoyed. And it was a character that he didn't create, but he added to and kind of made him his own. Um, so I really enjoyed that. I actually didn't realise that he created Labunga. Well, I, I guess it was him, Team Phantom Man. Mm. Um, you know, the, Labunga the first came into it in that election in Bengali Part yeah. One, didn't he? So that was it's a close story. Whether whether yeah, it was a, a larger editorial team who put the idea of the character together, but he certainly credited with being the writer that introduced him. Yeah. He was, and that's, and that's probably because, like I said before, the election story was happening round about when I was first reading it. And was getting confused with with the newspaper or Forkism and and Phantom and so I just thought Labunga might have been a fork creation, yeah. just in that confusion oh, and all that. It was around when I started reading the Phantom and getting really really addicted to it. I guess you could call it as well. And uh, I believe it was around with you as well, Mikel. And it just it just hooked me. Just this you know this fact like oh wow his world's turned upside down. Um, it was just, it was riveting reading. I enjoyed going back through and reading all the back issues and, you know, trying to dissect all, you know, the clues. I enjoyed it that much that there was, there was a group of five of us. It was me, my brother, and a couple of others that we loved this story that much that we actually started creating our own comic called The Death of Labunga. Um, because it was something that had hooked us that much. And we would read and devour the latest story, and we were like, oh, man, we don't have the latest story, you know, on the latest issues, not about Labunga, it's about something else. And it was just, yeah, it, it was a good time, like, learning about the mythos of the Phantom during all of the upheaval. Yeah, I, I remember starting reading after the election of uh, Mangala, and... I remember like getting back issues and I didn't get them all in in chronological uh, order so I, I remember getting a bit confused with this Lubanga, Luaga because it was in the be beginning of reading Phantom and uh, the the names were very close to me so and Babato too I, <laughs> I, I, I confused all three as well. of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's interesting because I'm only a few years older than you guys. I was in year 12 and first year uni 
when that election in Bengali series kicked off. And I remember at the time hating it because I was old enough to have had embedded in me. No, I did. I, I really didn't like it. Um, and uh, th- those were the um, – I'd really enjoyed Michael Gutierrez as a as an author. I did not like this new upstart Klaus Ramethi who's coming in and trying, <laughs> trying to <laughs> fix everything up. Um, and and th- that was probably – it was probably those couple of issues where I've – where I've sort of set my tone of, no, I prefer the fork stories to to what Fantamon are trying to do. So, it, yeah, just it, just for the sake of a few years. Yeah. <laughs> so, so something that's interesting is I was born in 1983, right? Michael Tiriris was writing stories in 1984. That was when his first one was published. So he's been pretty much writing fandom stories for as long as I've been alive for. Yeah. Um, so... It, 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 it kind of shows just what a huge hole this leaves us. And so I, I guess the question is, is, and we've all talked about the 22nd Phantom Saga and we've been told that the 22nd Phantom Saga will continue because there was plans to continue it when he announced his retirement. So, so guys, big question. If Andreas and Team Phantom Men were totally stumped. They had absolutely no clue, and they thought, "What would the good folks at Team Phantom uh, at, um, at Chronicle Chamber do?" This is your opportunity. Who whose name would you put forward to continue on with the Twenty Second Phantom Saga? Who have they got? Like who who have they replaced as head writer? Like I know Mikel Sol. Um, had taken on some uh, writing jobs and, and he was the one who, I guess, finally resolved, not, and I say that in neither a positive or a negative sense, but resolved the issue of um, Lamanda Lawaga being president. He brought him back in a story that, actually, I probably should have said, spoiler alert, hasn't been published in Australia yet. The <laughs> Swedish know that Lawaga is president again. The, uh, the Australians don't. Um, but Mikel's no longer there either. So who who's the lead writer now for Team Phantomen? I don't think there is one, Mikel. Do you know of... I don't think there is a, a, a lead writer. I do not think so either. But, I mean, I see a lot of promise in Andreas himself. I mean, I enjoyed the stories he has done. And, uh, yeah... Yeah, I mean, Klaus is leaving. I mean, I, I really enjoyed Soul's adventures as well, and Remerti is now gone. I mean, it's it's going to be... It's big shoes. Yeah, big shoes to fill. Now, I don't think we choose the one person. I think it's going to have to be a collective, and I think that could be a good thing in the sense that, like, if you look in probably the last five, ten years, Klaus Remerti was riding probably... 80% of all the new stories. And I reckon it could see, like, we've seen... I think it's more than that, just looking at, yeah. the, at the list, yeah. So we'll say 90, 95%. So you've got... I reckon... Now, Mikel Sol did say to me, and um, I'm not sure if he said it to me or on the podcast or, or wherever, but I have seen him say that just because he's not the editor doesn't mean he won't do stories anymore. So I reckon, you know, there's that. Andreas Erickson. That's good. Andreas Erickson, which you've said, I know he's written uh, a couple for Team Phantom Man and he's got a couple 
that have been purchased for free, which I believe we might see one in the next couple of months as well. Um, but a couple of names that, that uh, oh, there was also the new um, writer who wrote a story this year as well. He was he used to work for Team Phantom in, what was his name, Mikel? Yeah, what was, um, I'm checking it now, but I, I, I remember the story. It was the one with the Ra, Ra's Ghoul um, Treasure. There is an article been... on our website. It hasn't been published by Fru yet. Um, but another name, Mikkel's going to find that name while I continue talking. Another name which... Um, sorry, Steve? Well, I'm just going... Well, what I've been doing, I've just been looking at the, the writers over the last, say, decade, who they... Could, who, who they got in their in their hand at the moment? And there's well, there's a Carlson, there's a uh, that's the Habink. one Carlson, that's yeah, Daniel Carlson, yeah, yeah. There's a Jacob Hab Habink. I don't know if that's how you yeah. pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, um, yes. Carl Souls. We've said Spay. I don't think we've mentioned him. Um, Madden, who's he's written a few stories lately as well. That's who I was going to suggest, Philip Madden, yeah. and, and there's um, Bishop as well, David Bishop, the Kiwi. Uh, Philip Madden and David Bishop, they're my two choices of who to pick up the sec, uh, 22nd Phantom. Because um, Philip, Philip Madden, is, he, he's a good writer. Um, he's been on our podcast as well. I can't remember the episode at the top of my head. Um, but in talking to him, he knew who the Phantom was. And David Bishop was actually, uh, he, he's, he was born and raised in New Zealand. And grew up on the Fru, Fru Phantom comics. Uh, again, he's been in a podcast as well. And he, he has a very good understanding of who the Phantom is as well. So if I had to, if, you know, if Andreas has hit a bit of a roadblock and he can't think of anyone, they're the two names that I would put up, um, Philip Madden and David Bishop, because they've created good stories in the past. And I reckon they will be able to take over the 22nd Phantom saga. It's not often that I agree with you wholeheartedly, Jermaine, but um, yeah, looking at this list of who they've got, you know, like I said in the last decade, th those are the two names that are that are um, that are singing out to me as well. If um, if Soul as well, um, yeah, yeah, if he chimes in, and if they work as a team, I can't remember Eric Erickson. Oh, no, Erickson did the Blood Rain, or yeah, Blood, which was, yeah, but um, I'd, I'd go those top. Top three. If we're just looking at three, I'd I'd have those three in my um, yeah. People who you'd trust to to do the right thing with, do do a good story with it. Yeah. So Philip and not wrote, kill him off. Uh, the gold, the golden eagle, the phantom cult, the mark of Cain, um, and the pandemic as well, which is kind of ironic. And um, mm -hmm. and then David Bishop wrote. Um, he wrote the Kate Somerset saga, uh, which, you know, I think most people enjoyed. Um, you know, he's got uh, The Little Bow of Little John, uh, which was another great story as well. Um, so, yeah, so he would be uh, he would be the one that I would, um, those are the two that I would put as well. I, and look, I've, I really enjoy those two authors as well. So um, if there's anyone who um, could take on this 22nd Phantom Saga, I, I'd enjoy either of those. Just flicking or scrolling through our, uh, 
our um, back catalogue. Um, Philip Madden was interviewed for podcast number 22. That's how long ago. 22? Yeah. I remember um, actually doing that podcast with that. Yeah, can't be that long ago. Would have been one of your first ones, I think, Stephen. Um, it was certainly well before my time. So, mm. uh, number, I, I can't find David Bishop, but I'm sure he's in there somewhere. But uh, just a quick scroll through hasn't released. But uh, if they, if they, uh, either of those guys take up the mantle of the the number one writer, I'm sure we'll need to get them back on. Um, hopefully, they're a bit. Uh, because you, you sort of said it right at the start, at the top uh, germ, but um, one of my regrets will be that we never did get Klaus on the podcast. Um, I know we got that um, written interview with him via uh, Paul, um, but, uh, yeah, I, I would have always loved to have get Klaus on, and, and I know it would have been interesting with my uh, um, taste or distaste for some of his stories, but I uh, <laughs> would, have, would have really enjoyed the, the opportunity to have a chat and, and uh, dig his brain, so fortunately not to be. Yeah, it was episode 117, David Bishop, so a little bit um, more recent. Uh, but in saying that, we're up to, what, episode 194, so it was still quite a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, um, yeah, some great names, some great ideas. Um, what about good old Tony DePaul? Reckon he'd have a crack at it? Yeah, I reckon he's, I reckon he's, um, he Should would be. be the proper law. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I couldn't, right. I, there was no reaction from Dan. I was thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounded, <laughs> it a, a bit like Dan. Was that, was that Dan doing a bit of ventriloquism or something like that? <laughs> no, I was just trying to work out how that might work, where he's doing the proper stories, but also doing the made-up <laughs> stories. <laughs> no, no, no disrespect at all, because um, I think one one of the things that Tony has done really well is bring those two universes together, and obviously he had a foot. In the um, in the Team Fantaman camp before he came on to King Features, uh, and in, in fact we should say Klaus had uh, a significant role in, um, and I think I alluded to it right at the very beginning. But Klaus had a significant role in um, keeping the Phantom newspaper strip alive um, once Lee Fork died, because I think we would look back, you know, with the benefit of of twenty something years hindsight now, and say, well, it didn't look like King Features had a plan. For when Lee Fork died, um, as I sort of said with the Brains Trust and, and Alf Grunberg, they did have a plan and a thought for what, what might happen. Um, and I think Klaus and Tony DePaul between them. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Klaus had the, the had the, the the whip hand, if you like, in that period um, to keep stories appearing in the newspaper strip while King Features worked out what next. So um, they're they're really we can't probably underplay. The role that Klaus had in in keeping the newspaper strip didn't miss a beat. Um, whereas it, it if it had better. taken a week off, a, a month off, would it have even come back? How easily could it have died then? So uh, I think we owe Klaus a great debt of appreciation for that, if nothing else. Yeah, and it got better. What they did, um, it, they made the strip better, and it's you know it's probably at its healthiest since dare I say it, maybe the 70s or the early 80s at the moment. It's at its healthiest. Yeah. Um, yeah you, could, you could certainly make a fair argument for that for sure. So, uh, yeah, no. As, as you can tell, we, we hold – we might not agree with everything and we've talked about some areas that we don't agree with what uh, Klaus did. But it is fairly evident and I hope uh, our listeners have um, uh, identified that, that we do rate what – his legacy, what his imprint, what is uh, what is left us with the character, 
has uh, it's, it's, it's a huge he's had a huge input in our lives in the Phantom uh, for the last 35 years. Um, so you know so if you're listening to this and um, and you know you're enjoying all these memories that are coming back and these stories and and I say, oh yeah, I remember this, I remember that, and stuff like that. And if you if you were like, oh, I would like to be able to pay tribute or or anything like that, if you've got some memories or some contribute contribute contributions that you would like to be able to uh, pass to us, please do. They can be written, they can be an audio, they can be a video. Um, we would like to be able to put something together, whether it's another podcast or even just a little video clip or even just an article. Um, you know, if you've got something that you would like to contribute, please do. Uh, you can email us at uh, chroniclechamber at gmail.com or we are on Facebook and social media and you can always hit up one of us as well on social media as well if needed. Now, Mikkel, before I go, is there any other memories about Clace that, that, um, uh, that you would like to share with us, to us before we close the podcast? I, I would rather re restate that. I mean, he was very passionate about comic book writing and especially about Phantom and, and just a great guy. And, uh, yeah. yeah. So, Steve, Dan, uh, and, you know, do you want to um, just leave, you know, one, one more statement before we sign off? Look, for me. Oh, you go, Steve. No, I was just thinking I can't think of anything else to say. <laughs> I'll just be repeating the, what I've already done. Yeah. I just, I just think for me it's interesting that he's so polarising, and, and you said it earlier in, in a sense, Mikel, um, you said um, you either really enjoyed it or were horrified by it. And I think when you're an author like Ramethi who, and we've said it, was courageous enough to push the boundaries and explore what might be, with a character as iconic and as universal as the Phantom, sometimes you're going to um, nail it and, and really do things that people love, but sometimes you're also going to miss the mark. And, uh, you know, and again, I've said it before, I'm on the record of saying that uh, I could probably have found it much easier to do the, my five least favourite Klaus from Ethy stories rather than my <laughs> five most favourite. Um, but... Um, he was always trying to explore and to do new things and to see what he could do. So um, he was willing to progress this, the, the character. We've said that in ways that Lee Fork probably never, never tried to, or was never ambitious to do. Sometimes you might've said, Oh, well, he plays with the law and he toys with a little too much. I hated all of the stories that were set prior to Christopher Sandish and the idea of, you know, this Japanese potential phantom or this, um, Crusader Phantom or this Gladiator Phantom I, I just did not like those at all um, and, and so I, I would agree with you in that sense Jim but at least he tried at least he had a crack and, and didn't die wondering um, and uh, I think it's really important and, and Andreas has just let us know via another medium while we're, we've been on the chat Klaus uh, I've been recording the podcast Klaus wrote every Phantom story that he wanted to he, um, he finished his time with the Phantom and was very ready to hand it over. So while, and, and I'll say it again, at 66, gone far too soon, mm. um, from a Phantom point of view, 
he had written everything that he wanted to write and contributed everything that he wanted to contribute. And so um, in terms of having an influence, I think that's fantastic. Stephen, you said before about how he has left his fingerprints all over the fandom. I absolutely agree. I think he's left his footprints on the fandom as well. And sometimes those have been stomping in the mud and making a mess that we didn't like. But sometimes those have been just, this is new parts of phantom law and we love it and we accept it. And, and I guess that speaks to your point, Germ, about um, the fans at the end of the, 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 the day decide what the law is because they vote with, with their feet, so to speak, um, and what they buy and what they love. So um, I, you cannot underestimate the influence that this man has had on the character, uh, for better or for worse, and mostly for better. There's no doubt yeah. about that. So, um, yeah, I, I've really, um, as I say, I've been on the record many times of disagreeing with what he's done, but I've really enjoyed this opportunity to walk down memory lane and explore the his full career and, uh, and see how much good there is in it um, and how much better we are as a Phantom fan community for the stories that he's been able to create. Definitely. Now, I'm glad I didn't ask you to say two lines. Um, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, what you said, it, it, it's... You know, very good. They're very good words. Very moving words. Um, you know, he's well. Uh, you know, dare I say he's he's probably he's probably moved the Phantom more than any other any other creator, um, including Lee Fork. You know, he's moved the fan. He's he's added to the Phantom. He's moved the Phantom in so many ways. Um, He's going to leave a huge hole. Uh, you know, we're, we're thinking of, um, and our prayers are with his family, uh, his, um, his partner and his, and his daughters that he's left behind and his extended family as well. Um, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Um, uh, you, you know, we, we're sorry that you have to go through this. Um, and I, I guess just be, be proud that he has touched a lot of people's lives. Uh, and not just immediate family but he's touched people's lives in all around the world you know there's people in brazil india uh north america uh australia you know totally opposite of um of you know of where he grew up um you know uh turkey was another area you know going closer to home sweden norway finland um you know and and uh, Central Europe as well, like that. He has touched a lot of lives. A lot of people have read his work, have been touched by just his phantom work. We're only talking about his phantom work, let alone all the other stuff that he's done as well. Um, you know, uh, on behalf of myself, you know, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Clarissa Ramifi, for what you have done. Um, you know, not many people get the opportunity to leave as big as a legacy as you have, and you have. So thank you. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I really appreciate um, you joining us, uh, Mikel. Um, thank you. I know it's in the middle of the day. You've probably um, missed out on family activity time and, and stuff like that. And I really appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. It's been an honour. No worries. So uh, for our listeners, um, if you only listen to us for the first time or or not, um, you could, we're chroniclechamber.com. You can find us on our website, uh, email, which is chronicle at, chroniclechamber at gmail.com. Don't forget, if you have some contribu- contributions to a memorial that uh, podcast or video or article that you, you would like to submit to us, you can get in touch with us there. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, 
Spotify, all the various apps like Podbean, Player FM, CastBox, Listen Notes, or you can watch us on YouTube as well. Now, um, for myself, thank you for listening. Uh, thank you, Clace, uh, for your legacy. Uh, Dan, Mikel, and Stephen, thank you for joining me in this celebration of a great life. Uh, from myself, happy phantoming. Happy phantoming. Happy phantoming. Yeah, happy phantoming. RIP, Klaus. <laughs> <laughs>